God never wants you to worry, ever. One of the things about being a child of God is we don't worry. We'll have opportunities to, but when thoughts are just coming, we have the ability to take that care and just roll it over on the Lord and let Him take it. He takes the weight of it, and then when you just start thanking Him, for rest and freedom and all these things that are spoken in his word, that the weight of that problem leaves. The Bible says, don't be anxious about anything. The Greek word literally means an anxious thought, which is an anxious thought is worry. It's saying, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. We take everything to the Lord, right? With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, because we already know our answer. Let your requests be made known to the Lord. And it says that the peace of God will come. It'll come right out of your spirit from the Holy Spirit. And it'll mount guard over your heart and over your mind. It's so wonderful. It's a wonderful way to live. So many people in their walk of faith start because the enemy is always talking to you. Through circumstances, he'll attack your body. Pain will talk to you. In the walk of faith, time will talk to you. The enemy always wants you to put everything in time. God is going to bless me here somewhere in the future. No, no. We've already been blessed in our past. The Bible is very clear, right? God is very clear that he's already blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So, He's already given you. This is 2,000 years ago when this happened for you and I. Before we ever hit the earth. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. There is nothing that God has to give you. He's already given you everything. So now it's simply a matter of us believing that and laying hold of it and receiving it. So now as we receive these things through faith, we don't look at our circumstances to tell us if we've received it. If I want to know if I'm healed, I have to go to the truth of everything. And it says, it tells me, his word tells me that with his stripes I was healed. That I was 2,000 years ago redeemed from the curse of the law, which includes all sickness, all disease, all poverty, all lack. And within the sickness and disease part, we're talking about all emotional issues, all fear, all depression, all everything. I've been redeemed from it. I've been bought out of it. Spiritual death, which is the source of everything that the enemy can do to steal, kill, and destroy. I've been redeemed from that, and I've been redeemed into the kingdom of God. I'm in Christ. And now I have an inheritance so I can walk free from these things in the earth. So let's talk about this a little bit today. Faith is a rest. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to James chapter 4. Hallelujah. You guys ready? Everybody seems so ready to receive from the Lord. James chapter 4, verse 14. Hallelujah. You know, and just know today you got to know today that God is excited about your life. He loves you. He's for you. 
He's committed to you. He's dedicated to you. He believes in you. He believes that as you walk with him, you're going to finish your course in this earth. He believes you can do all things through him. He's not mad at you today. Amen? There's no possible way he could be because any sin you've ever committed or have ever committed today or who will ever commit, the Bible says all of that sin was laid and condemned once and for all in the body of Jesus. So the gospel message today is the God of heaven is not holding sin against man anymore. If you're sitting here today and you don't know him and you've never received him, oh, you might have been in churches that told you, God's going to get you. It's all about, you know, you better do this or else. Turn or burn, right? Well, is there a hell? Absolutely. And God doesn't want anybody to go there. But God, in Christ, the Bible says that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. So now for the church age, the sin that has separated us from God has literally been removed. It's not being accounted to anybody anymore. So now someone who doesn't know God, God has a legal right to come into their life and reveal himself so that they can receive him and be born again, changed, and have all of those sins that were already paid for put to their account were now they're free from it. Isn't that good news? So God's not mad at you today. You know, talking about, well, God blesses some and not others. Listen, that might sound really nice from a pulpit, but that's not in the Bible. God says yes to some and no to others and wait to others. No, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says all the promises of God are in Christ, yes, and in Christ, amen. So now... The sinner, the spiritually dead person who's separated, I was one of those once, I was able to come to God because he revealed himself to me, and I came as I, as I was. And now, the Holy Spirit of God, as I invited Jesus in, he took out this spirit man that was dead and separated from him, and now put a brand new spirit in me. Then the Holy Spirit of God came and dwelt in my spirit, He's there right now. He's been there ever since I was four and a half years old. Every sin, when I was, literally, it all took to my account when I was four and a half years old. Every sin that I chose to walk in from that point has already been paid for. So now I simply just confess it before him, that sinful behavior or whenever I choose wrong, and it's, it's literally... He, the Bible says he forgives me and cleanses me. So now, not only is relationship intact with God, but now fellowship is never broken with me anymore. If I choose to walk away from him, I could come right back in fellowship with him. And as I realize these things, what happens is it causes my heart to turn to him. God is not out to get you today. He wants relationship with you today, right? So let's talk about this. James chapter 4, verse 14. It says this, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Right? For what is your life? Now God is going to define what our life is. So our life is a vapor. It's a mist. It says here that appears for a little time 
and then vanishes away. Your life on this earth will be the shortest span of time that in your existence that you'll ever be. It's so fast. And this life isn't it. This is kind of like a dress rehearsal. That's all it is. But, you know, what, what happens here sets the stage for what we do in eternity. And God's got a purpose for us forever. Isn't it good? You know, I was, I was 28 years old like two weeks ago, and then I blinked. And I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, this new person emerged, and now I'm 57. I'll blink again, and I'll be 75. It's just boom, boom, boom. It goes so fast. And then, but see what happens now when I realize that this is how I live. In verse 15, it says, For that you ought to say, because my life's a vapor, if the Lord will, we shall live or do this or that. Here is the literal, the literal Greek rendering of this verse. Since our lives are like a vapor, we should say, Lord, what is your will for me today? That's literally the literal meaning of this verse. In the King James, it's a little vague, but if you break those Greek words down, since my life is so short, I should be saying every day, Lord, what is your will for me today? Right? And see, there's a reason why we have to ask him that. The Bible says that our eyes cannot see, our ears cannot hear, it has not even entered our mind the wonderful things that God has prepared for those that love him. This is talking about your time on the earth and your time in eternity. But for us right now, see, eternal life starts the moment that you accept Christ. It does not start. As I thought growing up in the denomination that I was a part of, I thought eternal life started once I got to heaven. But no, it starts right now. We are to live days of heaven on the earth as we walk with the Lord. So now, letting God know, see, here's a big principle now. Letting God know you need him lets you know you need him. I walk around all day talking to the Lord about how much I need him. Why? Because it's true and it helps me to know that I need him. Isn't it amazing? The Holy Spirit will prompt you to say things that help you. See, we look at worship and we're like, what is God, this big ego God, he demands that we worship him. You know why God loves worship? It's because of what he can do in your life as you, as you open your heart to him. Because we're not created to be separate from him. Our life doesn't work separate from him. We need God to guide us. So I want you to look at this verse. Go back to Jeremiah. It's in the Old Testament. Jeremiah verse 10, or chapter 10, verse 23. And there's, there's a statement that Jeremiah makes that's so true. Jeremiah 10, 23. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. What do you mean, Jeremiah? Jeremiah's like, I'm so glad you asked. It is not in man that walks to direct his steps. This is why we need God. Because it's not in us to direct our own steps. 
Do you know the only, the only thing that wants you to let them direct your steps, it's that sin nature that's in your flesh. Your flesh wants you to be in control of your life. This is the biggest, this is the biggest lie in the earth today. People will say, I do not want to serve God. I don't want to have a relationship with him. I want to live my own life. But the reality, what's really clear in the word of God, is you don't. There's not one person that lives their own life. You are either living in relationship with God or your life is literally being driven by the enemy. That's Bible truth. Nobody lives their own life. The Bible says that when a person decides and chooses, well, I just don't believe that stuff about the Bible. Okay. So what, what happens when you choose not to believe God's word is the Bible says that now Satan is able to blind your minds. I really have it in my heart to teach the book of Romans because it, I'm teaching it to the men on Tuesday morning. Um, it's kind of like an eternal study. But we're, we're yeah, don't laugh, guys. I, right? But we're, we're all the way to chapter 14. But I, I really feel like we need to teach it here because people need to know the reality of life. You're not living your own life. You're being driven. Even if you don't know, you're still being driven. It's not in man to know his, and direct his steps. It's not in man, in other words, to direct himself. We weren't created this way. We're created literally to live in the presence of God, united with him in fellowship. You even see in the Trinity, the three who are one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they literally work in unison, in oneness. They don't, none of them do it all on their own. The way they operate is God the Father comes up with the plan. Jesus carries out the plan, and the Holy Spirit reveals the plan. They never talk about themselves. They only say what the other says. In the same way, that's how we experience the life of God. Isn't that cool? Boy, it's truth. So in Psalm 37, you're in Jeremiah. If you just turn left and go back to Psalm, the book of Psalms, chapter 37 in verse 23, it says this. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. So let's break this down. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. This Hebrew word ordered, it's a verb. It literally means to set up. The steps of the Lord are set up. The steps of a good man are set up. Why? By the Lord. It also means prepare, to prepare. The steps of a good man are prepared by the Lord. Here's a big part of this word. It, it means to make firm and to establish. You could say this, the steps of a good man are established by the Lord. So our steps are to be set up, prepared, and established by God. And he 
delights in his way. This is why it says it in Proverbs. Uh, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it, but you could put it up on the screen. Proverbs chapter 3, in verse 5 and verse 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. So this is the beginning place of walking with God, walking out this glorious plan that he has for your life. It says, don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, do what? Acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. What are your paths? The ones that he set up, prepared, and established for you. Jeremiah says it this way. Jeremiah 29.11 says that God's plans for our life, they are good. They are not evil. Right? Well, you know, this bad thing happened to me. That was not God's plan for your life. The Bible says every good and every perfect gift comes from above from the Father of lights whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. If it's good, it's from God. John 10.10, Jesus exposed the enemy. He said the enemy comes but for to steal. What does he want to steal? He wants to steal the word out of your life. Why? So that he, and to kill, so that he can kill and to destroy. See, that's what Satan does. He's a killer, he destroys but God says, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And this word life is zoe. It's the quality of life that God has and that you would have more than enough of it, that you'd have it more abundantly. So that's God's will. So how, if I can't direct my own steps, how do I, how do I walk this out? Who's directing my steps? The mighty Holy Spirit is the one who reveals the plan for as many, Romans 8, 14, right? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If you go down to verse 16, it says, the Spirit himself bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. He directs my, he directs my steps. The Holy Spirit, we call this the inward witness. The whole, we're talking about it on Wednesday night. The Holy Spirit, he, get, he impresses my spirit. And then my spirit will take that impression and turn it into a thought and communicate that to my mind. And it's the inward witness. It's how he leads me. In Proverbs 20, 27, it says, The spirit of man is the candle or the lamp of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. In other words, God uses your spirit to guide you. So this is so important. God has a wonderful plan for your life. If you're in turmoil right now, he doesn't have plans for you to be in turmoil, and he'll lead you out of it. But you're going to have to trust him because he might have you do things and step out of a boat that makes your flesh feel real uncomfortable. I know the biggest, the biggest advancements in my life have been in times when in the natural I thought I was going in a backwards motion. But I found out I was, you never go backwards with God. I mean, he will get you in the right place, but you're going to have to trust him. You're going to have to not lean on your own understanding. In other words, you've got to stop trying to figure it out. 
Because see, here's the way it is. In the world, if you are in trouble financially, you better save everything you can, spend all your time making all you can, save all you can so that you can get out. God, but, but the God of heaven says that's not the way out. The God of heaven says, you rest in me and you give, and that's how you'll increase. It's completely opposite. In other words, walking with God will turn your life right side up. We think it's right side up naturally, but it's not. It's upside down. As we renew our mind with the word of God, see, the, the world will say, it's all about being first. So you just got to take advantage. You got to do this, got to do that. When I was in the corporate world, man, you know, it was amazing how different parts of the country, when I'd go to New York City and do business and be in a boardroom, it was amazing the difference. You know, I'd much rather do business in New York City with this ruthless business guy who's just kind of a jerk. But at least you know where he's at. Because I grew up in, in Southern California, and when I'm over here on the West Coast, you meet with the person and you're like, oh man, it's so good to see you. Yeah, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to do this. And you hop on a plane, and you leave, or you hop in your car and go, and what happens? None of it happens, because you find out, oh, no, he doesn't mean anything that he's saying. It's just the world. But it's okay. God will turn your life right side up if you'll let him. So you have to learn how to hear that still, small voice on the inside of you instead of listening to all the noise on the outside of you, right? So this is a big, big thing. We said this Wednesday night, and I'll say this again, that being led by the Holy Spirit into your future, it's not, it's not, this, uh, it's, it's not this set of principles that you're going to learn, right? It's not, uh, it's, it's not just you get real mechanical and, and, and you, you just, you know, you do step one and then step two. And I, no, it's not any of that. It's a sensitivity that you maintain. It's relationship. It's where you're walking with God. Listen, you don't have to put on an act with God. He knows right where you're at. And it doesn't move him. You might be sitting here going, man, I really just don't trust God. Now, you could try to act in church like, oh, yeah, I just trust God. But, but he sees your heart. So what the Holy Spirit will do, if you just go to the Lord and go, you know, Lord, I've just never walked like this. I need your help. He will start helping you and walking you from a place of distrust to a place of trust in him. He'll help you in everything. You don't have to put on any act with the Lord. This is why you want to, you want to surround yourself in an environment of people who walk with God. Because they're not going to judge you, right? They're going to encourage you and build you up. Why? Because we've all been there, right? And actually, we all might even be there in different areas of our life. But it's all good. God's mercy is greater than your disobedience. God's love for you, God's plan for you is phenomenal. So it's just learning how to just relax and let God do his thing and you flow with him. So we got to make sure God is the one directing our steps because Satan will want to drive your steps. The Lord always will lead you. The enemy will always drive you.
Once you realize that it's not in me to know my way, what happens now is I become completely dependent upon the Lord. When I'm completely dependent upon him now, I am in a position for him to get everything over to me. So this is why when you, you got to get a revelation, it's not in me to direct my own steps, so I need to be completely dependent upon the Lord. That's a place of rest. God loves when we completely depend on him. God loves when we completely trust him. Being in a place where you completely depend on God will ensure that you will always be in the right place. You've heard me say this so much, right? At the right time, with the right heart, doing the right thing. I hope, and, and, and I could sense it, it's just, it's a flow. It's relationship. It's intimacy with the God of heaven that loves you. The key to fulfilling what God is calling you to fulfill is, I will submit myself in humility to completely depend upon him. I'm trusting in him with all of my heart. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. In all of my ways, I'm acknowledging him, and I know in that position, he's going to direct all of my paths. God will move you. He'll cause you to be at the right place at the right time. He'll cause you to talk to the right person to get the right position. He'll give you an idea, and then he'll hook you up with who can bring that to pass. He'll do it all. He'll cause people to come and take part and be your customers in your business. He'll open doors that no man can shut. He'll shut the doors that no man can open. And he is all about compressing time frames for you to walk in a success that's beyond what the natural is. God wants you to be the top of whatever he puts you in. A man trying to improve himself on his own merit is exactly like a donkey trying to be a racehorse. <laughs> Literally. You can train a donkey forever to be a racehorse, and he's never going to be a triple crown winner. Ever. Now, the reason why I say that is because if you get your mind on your own plans... I'm, I'll guarantee you, you'll start getting out of the realm of your gifting and what God's called you to do. Or you could be in your gifting, but in the wrong geographical area or with the wrong people. And it will just, it, nothing works the way it works when you're right where you're supposed to be. And God will always get you where you're supposed to be. You cannot, you cannot Produce the God kind of results unless God is working for you and through you. He hasn't called you to yield natural results. He's called you to yield divine results. So you need him working in you and working through you. There is a call on every one of our lives. You know, to be honest with you, you, are, you all are ministers of the gospel. Not part-time, full-time. 
And when you realize that, you, and you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then he'll add everything else to you. And you'll still be at the top of your field. You're actually, your work, your career, whatever God has you doing will be a form of worship where his presence is always there and he'll bless it. And when he blesses it, man. See, the first thing that happens when you trust in the Lord with all of your heart, you are at rest now. And now you're able to walk by faith. If you're not at rest, you can't walk by faith. Rest is expressed out of your complete trust and dependence upon him. I'm not trying to make it happen. You know, my life, in my life, I literally have to beat my flesh black and blue continually to keep it down so that I could stay at rest. I don't have to fight the enemy. He's already defeated. The big one that I have a problem with is he'll throw thoughts at me and then it'll try to ignite my flesh. I got to keep my flesh under and go, nope, I'm completely dependent on God. I'm not, I'm not going to do anything out of his direction because I want to be in his will because I want him to be working in me and through me. So I'm not going to toil. I'm going to rest. When I say rest, I want you to think of this definition. That means you've ceased from your own works and now you're only working out what he's telling you to do. You're, you stop trying to figure it out. I'm telling you the greatest thing you could do is just go get quiet and he'll tell you your next step. And then just do that. Being confident in yourself will always, now this is a big statement, always end in failure. So I better define the word failure. Okay? Failure is anything other than God's results in your life. Yeah, but you don't understand. I have worked very hard to be the best that I can be. And I am the top of my field in Omaha, Nebraska. And, and that sounds awesome. I, Pastor, what are you saying? I make more money than anybody else in this church. I make more money than anybody else in my field. And I did that. Yeah, and you know what God calls it? Nothing. When you, when you stand before him, it'll go up in smoke. And you'll walk around in eternity. You'll never talk about it. But those things that you did, where you did them completely dependent upon God, that's going to last for eternity. Now you say, but wait a minute. You know, so I'm an athlete. I have to have confidence in myself. Absolutely. See, here's the thing. When you are completely dependent upon him the way that you're created, it will bring a confidence. It feels just like a confidence in yourself, but it's, it's completely founded on I will be the top and not the bottom, above only and not beneath. I'll always land on my feet. Everything will always work out because the God of heaven is for me. Amen. So, see, we don't, you know, it's not an arrogance. It's a boldness. 
See, David, when he met Goliath, so we have this little shepherd worship leader guy, right? He's out there with skinny jeans and a slingshot, and he's going to go against Goliath, nine foot six killer. The only thing David never asked or said anything about was how tall and how big Goliath was. Never said anything about it. When, all, all he said was, tell, tell me exactly what I get. Ooh, I get the girl. Ooh, I get no taxes. See, Davis, he, David must have been a businessman because he's like, no taxes, that's great, right? <laughs> and, and judging from the girl, he's like, and, and I get the girl? That, really? Seriously? Right? So he goes out and he's like, wait a minute, this Philistine guy, who is he really? He looks a lot bigger. He looks ba- big and bad, but he has no covenant with God. And I have a covenant with God. So now... I'm bold in the Lord. Give me five stones because he's got four brothers just in case they don't get it. When I, Because I mean, and I'm going to tell him I can sit here right now and be bold in God and say, I'm going to take your head off with a sword. Now, if Goliath was, I mean, I'm sure he's smart enough to realize he didn't have a sword. Well, David, whose sword are you going to use? I'm going to use your sword to cut your head off right now. He told what was going to happen before. Why? Because he's got a covenant with God. And then the Bible says he ran at Goliath. Ran at him. Daniel goes into a lion's den. And he's safe. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because they know that the Old Testament writings, which they believe, is that their God, when they go into the fire, that the fire will not even kindle upon them. So they stand in front of the most powerful person in the earth, the king of Babylon, and say, King, if you throw us in, our God is able to deliver us and will deliver us. And if you don't throw us in, we're not bowing. So whatever. Right? We're not like, see, so many people who are not completely dependent on God are like this. Father, I just, I'm just believe in Jesus' name. I am not going into that fiery furnace. He's just going to let me go. And then they wonder why that doesn't work. Well, now, wait a minute. No, no. You're leaning on your own understanding. But when you know God, you're like, hey, the how, I don't care. I just know the end. Do you see that? And when you know the end, it's rest. Could you imagine if you were in a sporting event and you already know you won the gold medal? You won the NBA championship. Would you be stressed at all if you missed your first four shots? No. Would you be stressed at all if you were down 20 points with 45 seconds to go? You wouldn't be stressed at all because you'd already know I win. Guys... God says, we've already won because Jesus won. Yeah, but pastor, that's just, no, 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 that's Bible. And let every man be a liar, but let God be true. Jeremiah chapter 17 is wonderful. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. I love what it says here. It says, blessed. That when you see that word blessed in the Old Testament, it means empowered, To prosper. That's a good word. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. 
Verse 8, for he shall be as a tree planted by waters. I'm going to be like a tree planted by more than enough provision. My provision is going to come by the waters that are coming from the root system into me. My provision is no longer, I'm not looking for the outside to provide for me. He'll be like a tree planted by waters that spreads her roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes. See, when you trust in the Lord, circumstances will not move you. See, here's the way life is. This is real simple. So this is God's word. Here are your circumstances. If you live your life like this, guess what? Now God's word is number one. Now my circumstances will never move me. Satan's going to throw thoughts. He'll use people. He'll use circumstances. They're not your enemy. He's always your enemy to get this to happen. And the minute this happens to where your circumstances are above what God says, now the word of God, the most powerful force in the universe, will no longer move you. Only your circumstances. So what do you choose to do today? Because... The choice is yours. Satan doesn't want you to know that. Satan hates our church because we preach it. And we don't even say get over yourself to Satan because we don't want him to get over himself. I hate this guy so much, I, I want to have a front row seat. Just, okay, are we ready? Are you going to cast him into the lake of fire? I mean, I'm going to be so excited when we come back at the end of the tribulation period. And we see this angel bind Satan. That's going to be funny. Man, you're really nothing. That angel, that looked easy. Bye. Bottomless pit. Thousand years. Enjoy yourself. Right? He can't, he can't defeat you. Because God has already given you the victory in Christ. But the victory's not yours alone. It's in Christ. It says, for he, like, he shall be like a tree planted by waters that spreads out her roots by the river. He shall not see when heat comes, but her leaf shall be green. That means everything is always fresh. It doesn't matter when heat comes. It doesn't matter the circumstances. You cannot cause my leaf to wither because God is constantly making all things new in my life. Isn't that good news? And shall not be careful in the year of drought. Oh, you bring an economy that's on a downturn and you'll see me give more. Because I'm not moved by the economy of this earth. I live by the economy of heaven. My job's not my provider. My investments are not my provider. I have learned. I am completely dependent upon my God and he will never let me down. He can't. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Doesn't that sound a lot like Psalm chapter 1, verse 3? Right? See, I don't stand, walk, and sit around the ungodly sinners, whatever, right? What do I do? I meditate in his word day and night. Why do I do that? So that I could become a doer of his word. I delight in his word, and I'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water, right? My leaf is never going to wither. Never. 
I'll yield all of my fruit in my season and whatever I put my hand to will, will be brought to maturity. God will bring it to maturity. What does God have your hand doing right now? See, here's how we live. This is what God has me doing. Great. My job is to just follow his lead. He will bring it to maturity. He'll make everything work. How do I get out of this place I'm at in my emotions and I'm facing depression and anxiety? I just feel so alone. How do I get out of this place? By meditating in the Word of God. By not listening to the wrong voices, start listening to the right voices, and all of a sudden the God of heaven comes in and leads you into that place of peace that he's already provided for you. It's for every situation in life, everyone, and it's for you. Trusting God, it brings happiness into your life. It brings direction into your life. It, 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 God's, God will show you which way to go. He'll show you what to do. Trusting in God will cause you to be protected from any evil that comes against you. You, this is why, as a Christian, we could pray for our enemies. We have no competition. Right? We're not, we're not competing with the church down the street. Right? So many pastors get so stressed about that. What if somebody leaves and goes to another church? I think you walk in love, don't you? Or, or is there a verse in there that says, well, if this circumstance happens, then you do this. Well, what if I have a business? What if my number one customer leaves? Man, you, you just call them up and say, hey, listen, you know what? You leave with my blessing. You know, I'm praying that your business just takes off. I hope, you know, that other vendor you're going to use, you know what? I'm sure they're going to do a great job for you. But thank you for your business. You have a great day. And then you just, Father, I thank you that there's no weapon that's formed against me that'll prosper. I thank you that my path is one of increase. So I pray that you bless that competitor, cause them to take really good care of that person that, I, that just left my company. And oh, by the way, Father, I thank you. I thank you for those five new customers that you're bringing to me. Because, because that customer's not my source, you're my source. Yeah. Does that make sense? In every area of your life, this is why when you trust him, it's expressed in rest. You're not trying to get God to do something for you. You realize he's already done it. It's just a matter of you completely trusting him and letting him lead you and guide you. He'll direct your steps into everything. Everything. I love, I love the way the Lord is. Trusting God will cause you to overcome and walk through times of trouble and difficulty in peace. Trusting God is having complete confidence and dependence upon God and nothing else. Nothing else. Now see, this sounds really good, but in order to walk in it, you can't just suck it up and do it. You can't just take enough of a supplement to get you there. You have to just get to know him. Because this stuff, this happens progressively over time as you walk with him. Because as I walk with him, he progressively develops me. He, he etches the word, his word on my heart. And I become more and more dependent upon him. 
See, I'm completely dependent upon him today. But guess what? The Lord's going to reveal an area of my life that I don't even know that I'm not completely dependent upon him. And when he does, he'll say, I need you to give me this area of your life. And I'll say, yes, sir. Because you've been faithful here, 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 and here, absolutely. And then I'll get completely dependent upon him there. And I'll start to think, man, I'm doing really good. And then he'll go, oh yeah, let me show you this. And this is what God calls it. He calls it glory to glory to glory. I become more intimately acquainted with him. And the more I know him, the more my heart turns to him, the more that I run to him. If I ever make a mistake because I know him, I don't run away from him. I don't try to cover it up. I run to him because I know he's for me. He's with me. He's my everything. This is Christianity. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. (laughs) Developing trust in God It brings God's empowerment into your life. See, faith grows as you trust him, as you develop trust in him through meditating in his word, keeping your eyes on him, not being moved by your circumstances. He leads you and guides you into all the truth. If you're a mother... He will mold you and develop you into the perfect mom for your children and the perfect mom to support other mothers of other children. He'll he'll, He'll always put you right where you need to be. If you're a dad, he'll mold you into that dad that you need to be. If you're an athlete, he will, he will literally help you. He'll keep you free from injury. He'll see to it that all the new training techniques, wherever they need to come from, will come to you. But he's always going to have you out of the boat looking beyond what you think you can do. Always. In every career, in everything. Isn't that good news? In your church, it'll be the same thing. Trusting God literally brings continuous victory into your life. Wow. So this faith in God, trust in God, what we're talking about is it's all based on relationship. So faith is a rest. It's all because of relationship. We must come to trust God through life circumstances as we walk in relationship with him. That's what we're talking about. Isn't that amazing? You want to be empowered to succeed? Trust him. Blessed blessed are you, or you could say it this way, the blessing of God is released in your life when you trust him. It's awesome. Trust will always yield the blessing of the Lord in your life. It's already yours. God redeemed you out of something so that he could put something in you and upon you. He redeemed you out of the curse of the law so that, you, so that now you could receive him and he could put his spirit in you so that now the blessing of Abraham could come on you. The blessing of Abraham, it makes you rich. That word rich means a full and overflowing supply. You don't live to make enough money for you because you're not here for you. You get a global perspective. You get a kingdom perspective. It changes everything. 
It'll give you a full and overflowing supply. The second part of it, the blessing of Abraham will increase your influence in the earth. Why? For the third part, so that you can be a blessing to others. That's what it's all about. See, I live my life looking how I could bless others. And as I do that, I know that God is blessing me and harvesting into me. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to look at it. Get materialistic and all of a sudden, all this stuff that you want, when you finally get it, it'll all have you and it's not great. It'll rob you. But let God give you something. And you'll just, every time you get in your car, you're just like, wow, God, you gave this to me. Somebody blesses you financially, and you thank them, but you're like, wow, God, you were just thinking of me. And all of a sudden, you start getting blessings in your life that you weren't expecting, and you realize, no, God is so good. I mean, I love this woman so much, I just want to bless Jeanette every way I can. I mean, little things, if I can do them, I just want to do them. That, see, that's a, just a small measure of the way God is. He literally is gracious. That, Greek, or that Hebrew word literally means he's disposed to show favor. He literally looks at you and thinks of ways that he can bless you. So many times if we're living for ourselves, he can't do it because it wouldn't help us. Because see, prosperity will ruin a fool. That's The Bible says that. So here's the thing, just decide not to be a fool, right? That's all you got to do. I love this. Psalm 18, verse 2. The Lord is my rock, Psalm 18, 2. And my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. Wow. Wow. My buckler, that means my shield and my protector, and the horn of my salvation. That word horn literally means power. He is the power of my salvation. And my high tower. What is that? That is an inaccessible place of refuge. That is who my God is. He's my rock, my fortress my deliverer, my strength. I trust him. He's my shield. He's my protector. He's the power of my salvation. And he's my inaccessible place of refuge. Nothing can get to me. Wow. That is the word of God. See, the ability to trust God comes by gaining revelation knowledge of his word. That's how it comes. As you gain revelation knowledge, what, what I mean by that, revelation knowledge is where the Holy Spirit will open the word of God up to you on the inside of you. You must choose to get in his word and meditate in it. But if you'll meditate in it, the Holy Spirit will open it. And his word is full of light and life. And he will give you revelation knowledge from his word. That is where it all happens. The ability to trust God, it just grows as I gain more and more revelation knowledge of his word.
Why? Because God and his word, they're one, right? To the degree that I have knowledge of him, I can trust him. Why, why are so many in the church so beaten up? Listen to Christian music. There is so much of it that is coming from a place of I'm this wounded person. And if they're coming from a place, it's all written because they don't know. They've not gained revelation knowledge of the word. So they're writing music from where they are. They don't trust God. You don't want to sing songs like that. You want to sing songs that are filled with faith. Right? Your confidence in God grows. It grows progressively. That means little by little as you walk out God's plan for your life. Oh, you think you're trusting him completely. And you're facing things that are bigger than you. But guess what? Your battles and all the things the enemy's going to bring against you is going to be bigger next month than it is this month. But who cares? Because you're going to know and trust him more. And it's all the same thing. It all equals one thing in my life, rest. That's all it is, because I completely trust in him. I don't hold my life dear to myself at all. Why should I? He holds my life dear. My life is very dear to him. And Jesus is not only the author of my faith, but he's the developer of my faith, and he will always cause me to triumph, and he's going to cause me to live long on the earth and declare the works of the Lord, and in him do I put my trust. Oh, I might get a diagnosis, and I'm going to walk out of it after I thank the doctor for, his, for all of his wisdom and everything naturally, and I'm going to go to the Lord, and I'm going to say, Father, I thank you that I'm going to live, and I'm not going to die, and I'm going to declare your works. What that means is, man, I'm telling you, I lay hold of my healing, and boy, as it comes out, I'm going to declare that forever. I love Brother Hagen. He died in 2003. He's been in heaven 16 years. He was not even supposed to live past 16. And he lived into his 80s, and now his voice is declaring what God did in that little body of a deformed heart 16-year-old, incurable blood disease, all this stuff. It's speaking more of the healing power of God today. And he's not even here anymore. I love that. God wants your life to leave an eternal footprint in this earth to yield eternal fruit. I love that. Developing trust, it happens over time after you have made the choice to start the process. Now, I know many of you have started this process, but if you haven't, man, I think the perfect day to start this process would be today. Here's the cool thing with decisions, with life decisions in God. You'll never be ready for anything God calls you to do. It'll always be bigger than you. If you look at it and it's not bigger than you, it's probably not God. If you're not just going, oh boy, here we go, it's probably not him. Because he knows, he knows what he's placed in you. He knows what he has for you. And he knows when you walk, when you're hooked up with him, there is nothing that you can't do in him. It's a wonderful way to live. You have to start the process. I love Psalm 125, verse 1. 
Psalm 125, verse 1. They, what? Look at this. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abides forever. We've been to Israel. We've seen Mount Zion. Right now, there are thousands of missiles from every coast or from every border of Israel pointed at Israel today. But I got news for you. Mount Zion will never be removed. After the church is out of here, there will be a seven-year tribulation period, all kinds of war, all kinds of nonsense. So glad I'm not going to be here, but I want, as I want to take as many people in the rapture with me as I possibly can. Don't want anybody to go through that. But guess what? When it's all over, Mount Zion will be there. Thousand-year reign of Christ on this earth, the millennial reign, it's still going to be there. Then when we enter eternity, guess what? He's going to make a new heaven and new earth. And guess what's going to be when we come back down to the planet? There will be Mount Zion forever. And guess what? When you trust in God, you become Mount Zion. You can't be removed, but you'll abide forever. I love that. God's word cannot fail, so you find out what God's word says. The foundation of our trust in God is his word. We must take God at his word and we must put all of our trust in his word. Isaiah chapter 26 says this. Isaiah 26 in verse 3 and verse 4. You can just write that in your notes. We're coming down to the end here so I'm kind of fixing the clothes. If we were in the south, I could say I'm fixing the clothes, right? It says here, Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. In other words, God will keep you and I in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. As our mind is stayed on God, he keeps us in perfect peace. You don't have to keep yourself in peace. Don't, don't try to work for peace in your life. I just got to, I mean, there's a lot of people toiling to get peace in their life. Forget about it. Let him do it. This word stayed, it means to lean upon and take hold of. So it literally says that God will keep me in perfect peace as I lean upon and I take hold of him. And I keep, I keep my mind attached and holding on to him. This is what this looks like. I keep my mind. See, my mind works through my brain. So I keep my mind stayed on him. And he'll keep me not only just in peace, not natural peace. See, natural peace is you're at peace if the circumstances are good. But if they're not good, then you're not at peace. No, this is perfect peace. This means it doesn't matter what anything's, what's going on, you're at perfect peace because my mind is stayed on him. When it looks like it's not working out, down on the inside of me, the Holy Spirit is bringing light out of the word that my Father always causes me to triumph. 
And he always leaves a fragrance of the knowledge of him in every place. So not only is it for me, I know I'm going to triumph in this. I know it looks like it's over, but I know it's not over. Because he always causes me to triumph. And then as I'm leaving this place, everybody around me wonders, what's that? There's something, there was something about that individual who was just here. There was a peace. There was something that was here. Yeah, it's the fragrance of the knowledge of God. That's what God wants to leave everywhere you go. It says here, verse 4, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Now this word strength is real interesting in the Hebrew language. It not only means a strength that is beyond anything human, but it literally means a refuge. See, my refuge place, my hiding place, is in the strength of God. So this is how I'm continuously strengthened in the Lord all the time. As I keep my mind on Him, literally, a, a perfect peace is in my life. It means, it means I'm at rest and I'm in him in a place of refuge. He's my defender. He's my strength. He's my inaccessible place of refuge. I love that. The Bible is identifying right here that trusting God is keeping your mind on him. So to trust God, you have to keep your mind on him. Oh man, this is really hard what I'm going through, but man, I'm just trusting in God. No, no, get that. It's really hard what I'm going through out of your vocabulary. No, I'm trusting in him. Keep, see, that's what the, the Bible over and over identifies trusting God is you keeping your mind on him. God's word, in other words, is a seed that will keep you at rest. This is why faith is a rest. God's word is a seed that will keep you at rest. Oh, I could still remember when the Lord spoke that to my heart. I was meditating on the parable of the sower, and he said that to me. And, and you know, when I say that out of my mouth, it's like it might not be affecting you much. It affects me to my core. Because I could take the seed of the word of God and plant it in my heart. And it literally keeps me at rest. His word keeps me at rest. Your trust in God is expressed in rest. Wow. See, you cannot understand how to trust God without understanding how to enter his rest. How you enter his rest is you keep your mind stayed on him. It will cause you to stop trying to figure it out and just let him work it out. Entering into God's rest, wow. Entering into God's rest will demonstrate the degree that you trust in him. Never play games with others and try to be something you're not because you'll start playing games with yourself. You'll know you'll know where you are. If you're not completely trusting in him, don't worry about it. Don't get down on yourself. Run to the word and start speaking it. 
and let the word in your heart be what keeps you at rest, not you. Does that make sense? To rest is to cease from your own works. See, when we trust God, this is what we do. We say what he says. It is finished. You get a diagnosis from the doctor and you see that God has provided healing and you say, when you trust him, you say it's finished. And now I rest. I don't have to check my body. Nope, I just rest. See, my body is not going to tell me that God's word is true. The word tells me that. The word tells me what's true, and then I tell my body what's true. We don't want to get it backwards. Rest means we're not trying to work something out in our own self-effort. We must realize that if we're not at rest, then God cannot work. Because see, if we're not at rest, he can't work. Why? Because he'd have to violate our will to do it, and he can't. So I would encourage you, just invite him in. He'll probably start with the biggest mess in your life. But now, if it's like me, I had a lot of big messes in my life. The one he started with, I would have never picked as the biggest mess, but it actually was. But you just work out what he's working in. You don't, you don't ask how. You just trust. You just keep meditating in the word of God. You keep working it out. When the enemy throws thoughts, you answer those thoughts. It is written. It is written. By his stripes, I'm healed. I have a sound mind. You know, the doctor says, hey, you know, your memory's not getting very clear. You walk out of the, thank you, doctor. Father, I thank you. I'll never lose my mind. I have a sound mind. I'll never have this disease. I will never have this. It can't live in my body because by your stripes I'm healed. Right? This is how we live. God, see, if you're working, God can't work. God will not compete with you. Right? God will keep wooing you to come and completely trust him so that you can start the process.